Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by another one of my favorite teammates. He's a seven-year big league veteran, and currently is the color commentator for the Philadelphia Phillies. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Ben Davis to the program. Ben, thanks for coming on. Booney, thanks for having me. How'd you get an invite to this? <laughs> I know the right people. <laughs> no, I appreciate you having me on. It would be fun. It would be nice uh, catching up with you and, and seeing how everything's going. For those of you uh, tuning into the Boom Podcast, Ben and uh, myself were teammates 2002 to 2004 in uh in seattle that's where i got to know him and and i said on the opening i i say it with a smile but it is true ben became one of my favorite guys uh in the clubhouse for for three years and and uh big part of those big part of those mariner teams and um we man we had a lot of fun Ben, here, here's here's the first thing that I think of when I think of ben davis i hear his name or or we don't run into each other that often but when i do i just think during those years in Seattle, we, we were our, our our lockers. Where was your locker, Ben? You were you were across the way. I, I was up next to Dan Wilson and Jeff yes. Nelson. Yeah, yes. you were on the a complete opposite end. Right. So Ben would just come by, <laughs> and I'd look at. I'm waiting for what's Ben got for me today. And the my favorite thing, and you know this, is this is back before, you know, there were goatees in our day, but nobody had these full beards like all the players have now. Right. So Ben, every every you know every once in a while he would uh, he'd shave, but he'd leave his mustache. And he'd come over, he'd come to my locker, and he'd look at me, and he'd go, "Hey, Booney, how you doing today?" And the only the only guy in Major League Baseball at the time that donned the mustache was Jeff Kent. But everybody else, it was that the porn stash. And Ben would come up and he'd just go, Hey Booney, how you doing? <laughs> right. He I was, tried to say it with a straight face. <laughs> it, it was great. And everybody, everybody uh loved that. Tell me, tell me your recollection of those teams. You started off your number one pick with the San Diego Padres. You came over to Seattle. Uh you went on from there. But just just tell the tell the boom podcast those years you remember in Seattle. 02 to 04. I'm sure there's a Lou story in there, an Edgar story. You take it away. I think that's probably what I remember the most are the characters that were on the Seattle Mariners. You know, I get traded over from San Diego and it was kind of, it was heartbreaking to me because that's all I had ever known. I get drafted by San Diego. I come to the big leagues. I'm there for, for, you know, three, four years. I had the year of my life. And then that December I get traded to Seattle. I'm like, Seattle. It's like the end of the world. And I go up there and everybody was so accommodating. They were so nice. Um, some real characters on the, on the ball club, some genuinely nice guys. And, um, you know, I, they made me feel welcome right away. So it was, it was a ton of fun. And obviously I go from San Diego where we weren't, we were okay. We were competitive, but then I go to a juggernaut of a team that the year before won 116 games. And, um, you know, it was it was fun. And we go from I go from no designated hitter to Edgar Martinez. So it's like, man, this is outstanding. And, um, you know, I, I will say that I would that team in particular, when I tell people about where I was and who I played with, I would say that that particular team, yourself included, are the guys that I tell the most stories about. 
You know, uh, our producer here in um, in Philadelphia, I told him yesterday I was going on the on the broadcast with with Booney and he goes, I've never met Brett Boone, but I feel like I do because of all the stories that you've told me about the Boone. So um, it was just it was a great time in Seattle. It was a great city. The ballpark was was obviously amazing. I called it the eighth wonder of the world at the time because it was just phenomenal. And, um, you know, it's just just a lot of fun. It was those are the those are the years. Uh, it's your first year. You got you got a little taste of Lou Pinella. Yeah, and I always love on this show talking about Lou because you know he he's like my favorite guy of all time. But you talk about characters. <laughs> he led he loved he led the character wagon at the top. Uh, give me give me a Lou. Give me give me one of your fondest memories of Lou. Ben, I, by the way, I got to. Uh, at the all-star game this year it was back in Seattle and I was up there for all the festivities. I got to hang out with Lou again. And, and when I first, I, I see him, there's, there's like a, like on the second floor at the hotel we were staying at, there was a little concierge for the, for the ex guys that were there, you know, mm -hmm. for, for all-star week. <laughs> I'm coming home from dinner. Now it, the concierge closes like at six at night. So I'm coming home from dinner and it's late. And I, I think I had a meeting over what I had to just with with guys in my party, what we had to do the next day. So we just met in this lounge because it was vacant. Nobody was there. And it's like 1030 at night. And I look up, I'm sitting on the couch and, and we're finishing up. I'm getting ready to go up to my room. <laughs> Lou pops in. He's by himself. He's like, Mr. Magoo. I said, Skip. <laughs> kind of looks, Booty, what's going on? I said, uh. What are you doing? He goes, well, I'm, I'm looking for my schedule. I said, Lou, it closed at six. It's 1030. And he looks at me and goes, oh, well, I guess I'll have to do it tomorrow. <laughs> so he gets back up to his room. I see him a couple days later. We got to go out. Uh, it was pretty cool. That 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 O one team got together a little bit. A lot of the guys came back. Kazuhiro Sasaki haven't seen him in twenty. No years. way, he came. Yeah, back. he came back. He came That's back. Awesome. And right before the game, they announced that O one team or uh, the All Stars from O one. Mm -hmm. And Lou was a part of it. And I'll tell you what, it was cool. We went down. They stuck us in this like equipment room in in the current Mariner clubhouse, and it was myself and Johnny Olerud and Edgar and Junior was standing by because he had to throw out the first pitch. Buner was there, uh, Kazahiro, Nelly, and for about twenty minutes, I got to sit on the couch with Lou. And you know how I always did. I'd get him going. I just yeah. skip. What do you think about this? You know, I know it's going to be controversial or get him going. And he just, he went off and he just told stories for 20 minutes and all the guys in the room seeing their faces light up. It was like we were back 20 years ago and it was, it was one of the coolest. I, I, I really, I had a great time for four or five days in Seattle, but that one 20 minute segment was pretty, pretty darn special being back. Yeah. Your interpretation of Lou. Well, uh, he was, he was a lot different. You know, I go from probably the most mild mannered, manager Boach. of baseball with Bruce Bochy to Lou Pinella. I mean, complete 180. Uh, I always tell the story. There's two stories I always tell. And one is Jeff Cirillo signs a three-year deal with Seattle. Mm -hmm. And if you played the corners for Lou, you had to hit homers. And Jeff Cirillo, was a, he was a 45-double-year guy. And it was the first day that he practiced. And yeah, so for those of those that don't know it, I'm sure it's come up before, but yourself and each year would play home run derby pretty much from swing one. And it was like, who could beat who? So 
they, I don't know why I was in the particular round of the spring training, but it was me, you, Cirillo, Ichiro, and I, I forget, I think it was maybe Mike Cameron. So it was like the first round, and Cirillo gets in there. He's peppering balls, left center, right center, left center, right center. And then Ichiro gets in, and he starts launch balls. And he goes, hey, Je Je Jeff Jeffrey, get over here, son. So he goes, he puts his arm around him. He goes, come watch this Japanese fella. <laughs> 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 and, and I was like, because, you know, each row and yourself, you're just launch balls in batting practice. And it was like, I'm like, this is this guy's first day in spring training. So it was that was the one story I always tell. And the other one I tell is so as you were mentioned, the locker. So it was me, Jeff Nelson, John Olderud. And we all know that John Olderud is the nicest human being. He and Dan Wilson, nicest human beings you could ever meet. So it was a Saturday night. Luke comes in and he's and he stands next to Oli and he says, hey, big John, I'm going to give you the day off tomorrow, son. And Ollie looks at him and he says, but Lou, I was four for four tonight. I'm feeling pretty good. And he goes, I know you were, but what are the odds of you doing that tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> so then he goes down to your locker and he goes, hey, Bodie, I'm giving you a day off tomorrow. And you said, the hell you are. And he goes, all right, you're in there tomorrow. <laughs> so that's the way it rolled. Uh, but it, he was he was different, man. Obviously, um, you know, there are times you get thrown out of a ball game and you know, I'd go up and, you know, take some swings or whatever. And he'd be walking around smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, this guy's heart's going to explode. And it was on a daily, it was on a daily basis. I go down to Mac and, you know, John McLaren's a bench coach. Hey, Mac, Skipper doesn't look too good. He goes, oh, he looks like that every day. Don't worry about him. So um, it was just, he was, he was, he was fun to play for and he kept you on your toes. Uh, but he was, he was great. He was absolutely great. How'd he look? He looked all right. He looked, yeah, he looked good. And, good. and he was, you know, he's getting a little bit older, but we all are. But yeah. he, he still had that Lou way about him that, uh, you know, and I won't share it here, but he had a, he had a funny line to me. He, you know what? Maybe I will share it. This, <laughs> is, this will be a little controversial, but he, uh, he said he said he was getting ready to to check in for the night and he was i forget who he was oh 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 he goes booney they, they tried to catch me on a hot mic he was getting interviewed mm -hmm. and he goes uh he goes yeah he goes you know i'm getting a little bit older because i need my rest i used to not need my rest and i was i was doing the interview and all of a sudden they said hey lou uh you know what are you doing these days? He goes, well, and he goes about his day. He goes, and then me and the old lady, we turn in around nine o'clock. He goes, you know, I'm kind of like that, 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 that Biden guy. <laughs> and he goes, booty. I knew they were going to run with that, you know, and make it a political thing. He goes, I'm not really political. He goes, but they did. <laughs> no, and and it's just, but I can't do it justice for how he delivered the line. Right. You, you, oh, his you, delivery you, was outstanding. His you, delivery you was outstanding. Yeah. You could imagine. Um, but back to the Cirillo thing. You're right. I remember Jeff because Jeff was a teammate of mine at USC. So mm -hmm. I knew Jeff coming in. I was probably the only guy I knew on that team. I mean, he's he hit 300 in the big leagues five right. times. Yeah. And I do remember early on in spring training, Lou giving him more time. Oh, and he'd look, at for him. he'd look at Cirillo. It was. It was like the first week. And he'd be like, hey, hey, Cirillo, whatever you're doing in the National League, that, that ain't going to work here. <laughs> this week. I said, Skip, this guy – He's hit 305 times in the right. big leagues. Leave him. I mean, he's treating him like he's this guy right off the, you know, right. in, in a ball. But yeah. you're right. He's. Uh, and I had played against Jeff so many times because when I was in San Diego, he's a, he's obviously playing player. against the Rockies, we played them so many times. And, you know, you had Helton, 
you had Walker and and Cirillo. I mean, it was not easy to get through that lineup. And Jeff was just a doubles machine, uh, especially at Coors Field. But uh, yeah, Skipper had his way with him. That's for sure. Another one of my favorites, and then we'll get off that team. Was uh, and still one of my favorite guys was was <laughs> Edgar, Mister mm-hmm. Magoo, sitting in the corner. He was catacorded. Uh, what do you remember most about Edgar? Uh, for me, I tell people he was just that that uh, for how great he was, uh, just that that humble presence that we had amongst, like you said, a bunch of characters. Yeah, I remember him just sitting in his locker doing his eye exercises with those with those red and blue and pink dots and all those things, you know, getting his eyes right for the game. Um, but I remember him doing that. I always remember him measuring his bats, weighing his bat. Remember that scale he had? He, he ran was, me out of the game because oh. I started measuring mine. I had no problem. And then it, by the end, I was just like, I couldn't deal with it. I was a psychological mess because <laughs> they didn't because they didn't weigh that certain 32.3. It's like, no, they, they sent me the wrong ones. These are 32 twos. Right. Yeah. I remember Edgar's had to be what between 30.5 and 30.8 ounces, I believe, weren't they? I mean, there was like, and he had that scale and he put them in the styrofoam cup and above. Yeah. 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 He was, uh, but what a professional hitter. My gosh. It was, he was fun to watch. Uh, unfortunately, the one year, remember it was, I, I don't know what time of the year it was, but remember he tore his hamstring running the first year in Anaheim and he had to have it surgically repaired. And a week later, a week later, he's down. I'm hitting this, this guy hitting off the tee. I walk down. It's Edgar. I'm like, Edgar, what are you doing? You're like, you just had your hamstring repaired. But that's the way he was. He was such a professional and uh, just a great guy, all-around great guy. But it was that whole team in general. It was a fun pitching staff to catch. Um, and just watching you guys just mash the ball around, It's it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, one more thing, and then we'll move on. I got to tell the the people listening to the Boom Podcast or watching the Boom Podcast. We're starting to put them out on uh, on YouTube. I, I I forget the year, Ben. You're going to have to help me with this. Okay. We're in Philly. We're in the visiting clubhouse, mm-hmm. and Ben, I I haven't seen Ben. And for for the story's sake, I'm going to say Ben's in the training room. <laughs> Way to clean it up. But but there's a uh for those of you, for, okay. The police never come to our locker room. Nobody ever comes to our locker room. I mean, we've got it's in the big leagues, it's pretty well secured when you're in the visitor locker room. Nobody can really get in. So all of a sudden I see these officers in the front of uh you know the door of the visiting locker room in Philadelphia, old veteran stadium. <laughs> and somebody says, Hey booty, the cops are here. You you want to handle it? And I, my first thought is what's going on here. I go, yeah, officer, what do you need now? As the story goes on, they were the fish and game officers, but they game looked commission. like, yeah, right. But they look like police. My first thought is, Holy shit. Which one of my teammates, where were they, and what did they do wrong last night? Because the cops never come looking. Right. And he looks to me. I said, yeah, Brett Boone, you know, I shook their hand. I said, can I help you? He says, yeah, we're looking for Ben Davis. And I go, what the hell did Ben do last night? (laughs) And I'm running around, and I'm like, has anyone seen Ben? Yeah, I think he's here. He's thinking. I finally find Ben, and like I said, for story purposes, he's in the training room. I said, Ben, 
because I was genuinely worried. I said, what'd you do last night? He goes, Boney, I didn't do anything. I went, I think I uh, stopped by, I got a bite to eat here and I, I turned it in early last night. I said, well, cops are out here looking for you. And you kind of look at me like cops. I said, yeah. Well, it's the fishing <laughs> fishing game. You finish the story. Yeah. So you come in and get me and I'm thinking, cause I was staying, I, you know, I'm from here from Philadelphia um, and I was staying at my own house. So I go, you know, I had my, my wife dropped me off at, at the ballpark and you know, you come in and say it's the cops. I'm thinking, Oh no, someone got in an accident, blah, blah, blah. I'm like starting to where I run out and there were four of them and they were, remember they're standing there and the one says, Mr. Davis, we have a warrant for your arrest. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> and remember with Arthur Rhodes, he goes, get the hell. He starts screaming at him. And I'm like, I said, can we go outside please? So we go outside. I said, what is this in reference to? And he said, uh, you have an unpaid uh, fine. So that the winter before, I had um, I, I got in some trouble with the game commission. And I basically, I was trying to cover for my buddy who had committed a, a, you know, a wrongdoing. So I took the fine. I tried. I lost the fine. I called them numerous times to pay the fine. I never did. So they came in and they said, we have, you know, we have $173.50 for your fine. <laughs> so I pull out 175 cash. I give it to them. I said, keep the change. And I said, another thing, if you ever want to come to a big league clubhouse, why don't you call me? I'll let you in. And I was just, I was furious that they used that stage to come right. in. You know, right. it was just, it was obnoxious. I mean, they're acting it like it was a murder scene. <laughs> and, it, and it was like, you didn't pay the full fright for your full freight for your deer tag right exactly but we're going to make this in the middle of a big league clubhouse you know with reporters there yeah. they're all like what's going on you know they're looking yeah. for a scoop i'm looking at you i'm like ben doesn't look like he went out last night and partied i said right. he looks fine he looks bright-eyed i think he's playing today and yeah, uh, it was it was and, brutal. and it ends up being the like the dumbest thing ever but yeah. it was a scary story for me because anytime you know you see cops in a clubhouse it's like nobody comes in here nobody. this must be a real serious you know <laughs> but i remember you coming to get me i'm like oh my god what the and i'm like going I, on? I got that i got that panic on my face like ben what'd you do right so. <laughs> but yeah it was uh again you never know what you're going to see at the ballpark grew up in philly uh now work for the Philadelphia Phillies have have for several years now for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, during your career, because you left Seattle after '04, um, when did you decide post career? My brother took this route. I, I mm-hmm. didn't take the route. I you know, I retired and I I went away for ten years. Aaron was one of those guys. You know, at the end of his career, he he had made it known, "Hey, I want to get into broadcasting." He went to ESPN. Uh, we all know that. When did you decide, was it something you knew before you were done playing that, hey, once I'm done playing, I want to get into the broadcasting side of baseball? When, when did that come about for you? I, I always had thought about it, like, what, what am I going to do after baseball? I never went to college, so I didn't have a college degree to get, you know, quote, unquote, a real job or whatever. And I, I remember it was, uh, it was December of 2010, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was at a – I was I was at – I went to Malvern Prep, and uh, they were having a Christmas party that December. And I remember, and I was I was in there, and I'm just kind of thinking, you know, what am I going to do? I run into Fran Dunphy, who's a Malvern Prep grad. He was also the head basketball coach of now LaSalle, uh, but he was the head basketball coach at Temple forever, and then University of Pennsylvania. And he said, uh, "Hey, why don't you go on TV and talk about the Phillies?" I'm like, "Okay, okay Fran, how the hell am I going to do that?" And he knew some guys down at Comcast, and 
you know, I got an interview, uh, I got my feet wet, you know, getting on camera. And then eventually, you know, started doing pre and post game shows. And then eventually, uh, in 2015, it opened up where I could get into, uh, into the booth doing the color. So, um, it was just kind of, you know, getting your feet wet. And once I started doing it, I loved it. I still love it. I wish I could do every game. And, uh, unfortunately I don't do every game, but you know, when I'm not in the booth doing the color, I still do the pre and post game shows. Um, so it's, it's just a great, I still love being around the game. I love talking about the game, uh, it next to playing. I really feel it's the best thing to do because, uh, you're still in the clubhouse with the guys talking about the game, you know, throwing things out there, but I don't miss the over force. So that's what it really is uh, kind of the, the best of both worlds in that scenario in the fact that I can I can still be around it, talk about it. And despite never having played for the Phillies, having grown up here, going to all the games as a kid, I know more about the Phillies than any team I ever played for. So it's, it's kind of comes naturally in that aspect and uh, getting to work with some great guys. It's just a lot of fun. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You mentioned growing up in Philly. Uh, I grew up in right across the bridge in mm -hmm. New Jersey when dad was a Philly for all those years. Um, Philly's different. You know, I moved on. I went to Southern California for my high school, college years. And, and I'm kind of I'm kind of West Coast guy now. But my childhood was in Philly. It's a different animal. Um, and I have nothing but the fondest memories. You know, I, I grew up in Jersey, but yeah, you're kind of Jersey Philly. I, I yeah. mean, I was a half hour from, from the ballpark over the Walt Whitman. Um, so I know what that's like. And a part of that, I really miss being a Southern California guy because it's different. It's that city growing up there. I mean, you're a Philly fan, but if you're a Philly fan, you have to be a Flyers fan if, and, and you have to be a Sixers fan and you definitely have to be an Eagle fan. It's the culture. It's the way it is. I think it's awesome, mm -hmm. especially um, from a, you know, from a player's perspective. You know, we, I played in Seattle. I played in, in Cincinnati, San Diego, and I, and I loved all those places. But a part of me at, at the end of my career, I, I kind of wanted to play in New York to feel like what that was like uh, or a Philly where where it is truly it's a different atmosphere. Those mm -hmm. fans are their own. Explain to the audience what it's like growing up in Philly and what it means to be a Philly fan. Well, I think first and foremost, we're very passionate about our sports. And you're right. You got to be a four, four for four guy. You know, Sixers, Flyers, Eagles, Phillies. And uh, being growing up in this area, I think that's just the, the passion for the sports. Everything, what it's cool about is everything is right there. So you go to South Philly, everything's right there. You get you got the link right there where the Eagles play, and then you got the Wells Fargo Center, and then you have Citizens Bank Park, all a stone's throw away from each other. And it's just a, it, the camaraderie with the fans. It's their passion. And they come out in droves and they just they love it. They love everything about it. Uh, talk radio here is, is, you know, off the charts. And the the biggest thing about the fans is, again, the passion. But they will love you if you're two things. 
If you one, play hard, and two, you're accountable. And I think you look at what happened with Alec Bohm last year in Philadelphia. He had three errors in one game. And the last one, the camera got him saying, I hate this bleeping place. Mm-hmm. And he said after the game, he goes, did I say it? Yeah. Did I mean it? No. And he was accountable. The very next day, he doesn't start the game. He comes up in the eighth inning, now batting Alec Bohm, standing ovation. The fans gave him a standing ovation because he was accountable. He owned up to it. Yeah, I said it. No, it's just the heat of the battle. I didn't mean it, but yeah, I said it. And that's what the fans like. If you're accountable, you know, look what they did for Trey Turner this year. Since August 4th, he's been the best player in baseball. They gave him a standing ovation. Trey was struggling mightily, hitting 235 at the time. Now he's hitting, what, 266 with 26 homers. If you would have told me that would have happened, I'd have said you're full of it. Uh, but they, they, they saw how hard he was working. They saw his interviews. They knew he, this is not the player they signed him to be. But he was accountable. They owned up to it. And ever since August 4th, he's, been, again, been the best player in baseball. So uh, it's just a, it's a fun place to be. Last year in the playoffs, you know, Phillies hadn't made the playoffs till, since 2011. So it had been a minute since they made the playoffs. Once they got in last year, it was – I'm telling you, Booney, we would do the pregame show and I'd walk over to the ballpark and watch a few innings. I thought that place was going to fall down. It was so loud. And that's the way it is at Eagles games. That's the way it is at Sixers games. It's just the way it is. It's the the the, the camaraderie of the fan and the fandom. It just it, it means a lot to the city. It's uh, if you're a hard worker, it's a very blue blue collar city. If you work hard, these fans will show up in droves and support the heck out of you. I mean, I remember growing up there. You know, one of the greatest. You know, people say the the greatest third baseman of all time, Mike Schmidt. I saw him get booed out of the building. So I could imagine when you when you mentioned the Trey Turner thing, uh, coming over here, a lot of accolades, but a lot on your plate, huge contract. Yeah. Going to Philly, if you're not owning up to it, I, I could imagine that pressure that Trey was uh Trey was feeling and and you said they gave him the standing O and ever since he's been one of the best players in baseball the second yeah. half of the season. Uh you mentioned Malvern Prep. Give me all right. You got to give me this. Played against Kobe as a high yeah. school kid. Give me, give me a Kobe Bryant story against Ben Davis. And did you get the best of them? Uh, a couple times, but he was just on a different planet. Uh, we always played in the Christmas tournament every year, and it was you know he was a year younger than me, so you know he starts as a freshman. Like man, this kid's really good to play as a freshman. Sophomore year, I'm like man, this kid's going to go D one somewhere. Junior year, it's. Oh, the K. He's not going D1. He's going to UNC. He's going to Duke. He's going someplace huge. And then my first year out, um, you know, I signed out of high school. I, I would go back and watch him play basketball as a senior. They're throwing him alley-oops from half court. I'm like, what? His progression every year was just off the charts. Um, but I, I think one cool thing my senior year, they did beat us. But I was I had a I had a good I had a good night. And that our head coach's wife was sitting amongst all these scouts. Again, Kobe's only a junior. So uh, uh, college scouts, I should say. And uh, one of them said to the other scout, man, I, at 31, I really like his game. And then Mrs. Tossi turned to him and she goes, yeah, I think he's going to take a different route in sports. <laughs> so that made, me, that made me feel good. You know, I was they're, they're here to see Kobe, but like, hey, Look at that 31, man. He's had, he's lighting it up. So it was uh, but he was he was phenomenal, obviously, and, and went on to have one of the best NBA careers of all time. And obviously very unfortunate to what happened um 
you know, with him and his daughter and, you know, he's, he's missed every day, but um, I, we were just there for a volleyball tournament in the, in the Kobe Bryant gymnasium at lower Marion. And uh, there's a few photos of him. He donated the, the gym and uh, it's, it's pretty cool. But again, he was missed. And I tell people I played against him like, no way you played against Kobe. I said, Oh, for, for three years. Yeah. So uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. In 2015, did, were you on WIP? Uh, t- yeah, I was. In, in, when you when you first started, Ben, did you bring? Were you talking? All right, when you're on WIP and you're just getting started, mm-hmm. are you talking to the audience as a player or as a, a a kid that grew up in Philly? Which which angle are you taking, or is it a combo? I think it's a combo. I think it has to be a combo because a the the. The listeners out there are trying to listen to your quote unquote expertise. And you want to say why, you know, being a, a color analyst, you're the why guy. Why did this happen? Was it good? Was it bad? Was it indifferent? Why did that happen? Why did Brett Boone lay out for that ball and go to second base for that with that play? Why? He knew the runner was slow. He knew he had time. So there are the things that you got to throw out there. But then you kind of get into it as from a fandom standpoint, because yes, I did grow up here. This is a great place to grow up. Um, and, you know, I, I am a Phillies fan. I've always been a Phillies fan. Uh, one quick story. My first time in at the plane at the vet with the Padres, you know, remember the, where the bullpens were down the lines at the vet. So I'm warming up the starting pitcher and this guy, it, it fans were above you. This guy dumps a beer on me. He goes, Hey, welcome to Philly. And I look up, I go, dude, I'm from here. He goes, well, welcome back. <laughs> so, I tell that story all the time, but you know, Philly fans, sometimes they, they take it a little too far, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I think you have to look at it from that, at that, from that standpoint, like, yeah, you know, I am a fan and I do want them to succeed. I want, I do want the Eagles to win next Monday night against the Buccaneers. And you know, you, you, you want that to happen, but I think there has to be kind of a, a balance in between there. 2400 sports is an odyssey company. 